Well, tonight is somewhat of a family night and um, bringing in new family members and rejoicing with other family members that, that have, uh, that have uh, accomplished some things for the Lord. The Bible says, give honor to whom honor is due, and, and uh, we surely want to do that uh, this evening. And so my job is to kind of set the table for, uh, for these two men that are going to be coming tonight and briefly sharing uh, their, their testimony and I get a, a unique seat. Uh, I get the, the seat of sitting and, and overseeing all of the, the different aspects of ministry and watching it grow and uh, um, go two steps forward and three steps back and three steps forward and one step back and just watching God be faithful. And um, I've been amazed, as you probably have, over the last two or three years I can tell you what I anticipated uh, to happen, or my grumbling heart was anticipating uh, happening with COVID. Uh, what has taken place is very different from from what what I what I thought. I don't really know uh, what I thought, but I didn't expect uh, biblical churches to to almost move into a revival type of phase. And I I I, I don't use that term very loosely. Um, but if you look at what God has been doing the last two years at Timberlake Baptist Church, um, drawing people out of, out of other churches, that um, some of which are cold or dead and, and, and not very doctrinally distinct to biblical churches, the, the numerous people that have come to Christ uh, over the past two years. Um, I don't pay a lot of attention to numbers, but I'm told it's unparalleled in the history of Timberlake Baptist Church that goes back almost 75 years, which is very significant. And I probably wouldn't even, even make much mention of that because God is the one who worries about growing the church, but it's not just us. All uh, other, uh, the 10 other churches, which is our sphere of influence, that are connect, connected to the Expositor Seminary, the exact same thing. Uh, grow 100 members, um, baptize 30 people, very similar to what's happening here. And these churches are not just in Virginia. They're in Florida. They're in Atlanta. They're in Grand Rapids, Michigan. They're in Houston, Texas. They're in, in Phoenix and Tempe, Arizona, all over. Um, and even testimonies to other men that are biblical in their approach to, to church and to ministry and the gospel, the exact same thing is happening um, in the a secondary circle of, of spheres, which would be the the men that have graduated from the Master's Seminary, which is one of the things that binds us all, all together. So I don't ever presume upon the Lord, and I'm not going to sit here tonight and tell you I know what God is doing, because I don't, other than what He said in His Word. But it seems like that the Lord is, is moving in, in unique ways, drawing people to, to biblical truth and biblical churches. And it's hard to believe, but 15 years ago... Um, we sat down as a church and discussed a path forward as a congregation. I'm starting my 16th year, or I'm on my 16th year. Tracy has to remind me how old I am, no lie. So it's either 15 or 16 years, a year after we got here, so I think it's been 16. So after about a year, we sit down as a congregation, as a staff, and following the faithful ministry of Jim Alley and others, we started asking questions like, okay, where do we go? Uh, from from here, what are the needs of of our church? Not just immediately, but but what will be the needs twenty five years from now, ten years from now, twenty years from now, and not just ours, but but other churches uh, around. Um, you know, the average size church in America is less than a hundred. Uh, Timberlake's larger than that, and so God sometimes uses congregations with resources where He gathers people together to minister to other congregations and churches. So. So how do we think uh, rightly about our responsibility there? How do we build on a great foundation that's already here, but, but move forward? And do that in a thoroughly biblical way, uh, charting a course to meet those, those needs. And so what came out of that was a, was a strategic plan that included all kinds of things. But related to the Expositor Seminary and the training of men, we back in 2008, 7 and 8, we... We talked about developing a youth and children's pastor. We didn't have that. Um, 
launching a shepherding ministry for, for college. We had a college Sunday school class, but, but you know, expanding that. Starting a, a biblical counseling and training center. That actually came out of specific needs of people that, that were here, uh, extended family of people at Timberlake looking for a biblical counselor, a nuthetic counselor. Um, and, and there wasn't one anywhere around us. The closest one was in Virginia, and I think there was another in, I mean, in Richmond. The other one was in Virginia Beach. And so how do we, do we solve that problem? Um, uh, begin a pastoral internship. Be intentional about discipling men for missions and, and ministry. We're already known as a missions-minded church, but how do we train people uh, for that? And all of that would eventually turn into uh, a seminary that would train men for, uh, for ministry. We had a number of other mis- uh, goals for, for missions and for the school, but for time's sake, I won't go into all of those. But my point is this wasn't some my vision or one man's dream or a way to grow a church. All of those things were biblical concepts that, that flow out of the text of Scripture. I mean, as a church, we believe in the authority and the sufficiency of Scripture. And when you believe that, then you have an expository pulpit and you, you're, you're focused on biblical counseling. The text is sufficient for, for all of life and, and godliness. Um, we're also committed to the centrality of the local church. Um, the church is God's plan. That The Great Commission was given to the church. You have individual responsibility. But the commands of Scripture are given to local congregations. And that calls for, for shepherding the flock of God and actually training people for ministry inside the context of, of the church. Um, we believe the best place for pastors to be trained and missionaries to be trained is by other faithful Faithful pastors um, in the local church where they can learn and do that under the protection of a godly eldership as they come up under that and, and they're mentored and they have their gifts tested. And I mean, we believe that that's what Paul meant whenever he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 2. Um, the things that you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. I mean, that verse simply means that was Paul as an apostle speaking to Timothy as an elder to train other elders and to do that in Ephesus, in the, in the church, not to send them to Jerusalem, but to do it right there. And he gave the qualifications in 1 Timothy of what those men should look like. Who's a faithful man? And um, committing the truth to them and modeling that shepherding for them and mentoring them in the, in the process. Um, I made the statement, even at, at TES, in those circles, that I backed into almost everything that I know. Um, there's a little number of ways to learn. Um, you can learn by experience, but that's a painful teacher. You can just ask Adam and Eve. They should have just stuck with education, right? Um, listen to God, but experience is a painful teacher. And so... A lot of what I've learned is through trial and error, as you've heard me say, you know, a, a lot of trial because of a lot of error. And uh, no one ever gave me the model in a church, the church I was saved in. They loved Christ, a good, godly man that was the pastor there. But, but the, the doctrinal depth or, or, or the training or the discipling or the modeling or even what we're talking about right, right here was, was just not, not there. He was bivocational. He couldn't do those types of, of things. And so um, it, you start reading Scripture and, and you, you see there's, there are mandates that are given to the church and we want to we fulfill those. I mean, you might think what, about what we do at Expositor Seminary even here on this local campus. TES is, is a, um, a cooperation amongst 11 churches. We're one of them. Um, and we all cooperate to train men for ministry in the local church. Um, and so teaching either happens by one of our professors here, one of our staff on this campus, or it's done one of the other professors at another campus, and we're all connected together through, the, through Zoom technology. But then the mentoring happens on each site. And you might think of it like a medical residency. 
Um, me coming from a medical background, it always made sense to me. I mean, if I'm going to have an appendectomy, I don't want a guy who just went to an institution to a med school. I want a guy who sat in an, stood in an operating room with somebody else and watched them unzip and zip somebody back up and maybe try it under supervision before I'm going under his knife. Think about how important that is with the souls of men. I mean, if we don't just turn people loose uh, with a medical degree without doing a residency, think about how dangerous that is uh, to do that with, with somebody for, for ministry, untested. And then institutions are not qualified or even set up to be able to, to test their gifts and their integrity, which is massive. You can know a bunch of theological stuff, and you can be bankrupt uh, and not faithful and you're going to shipwreck yourself and a lot of other people. And so God has designed that mentoring and that, that, um, that commitment of truth uh, to, the, to the local church. And so 13 years ago, we were trying to live out those truths in a fledgling seminary that believed the same thing called Expositor Seminary. Um, we started cooperating and doing that together. We were the fifth campus... Uh, it was partnered with four other churches at, at that time. That um, We started with three students here. It was about the same in some of those other churches. As I said, there are 11 campuses now. Um, these church are all, churches are all pastored by like-minded uh, men and, and, and elders there, um, all with that same desire to train. And these many years later, the Lord's fulfilled that strategic plan and those desires beyond whatever anything I could have imagined. Um, We sit here tonight. We have graduated 12 men with a Master's of Divinity from just our TES campus and launched, uh, of TBC, and launched uh, many into ministry and missions. The TES as a whole has graduated over 80 uh, men with with their MDivs. Um, Those campuses have grown from 4 to 11 most of our current staff uh, has been trained um, by us and through TES. Uh, um, Clay Mackey, Tim Moshera, Mike Lowry, Mike Duncan, Matt St. Clair, Ryan Wood, who's volunteers, um, Nate Weidman, who's one of our graduates tonight, but he's also on staff. Um, currently, beyond these two graduates that we have tonight, we have seven others that are currently in TES. So we have current, currently, right now, we're training seven men at, at, at this church in ministry, and we have five additional ones that are starting in the fall uh, here at this campus. So that'll give us 12. And behind them, there are 10 other men in a pastoral internship that, um, that their gifts are being tested, and we'll see which, which way they, that they go. So tonight, though, we're, we're celebrating these two initial men that have just completed their, their MDivs, Nate Weidman and Jesse Marilla. And um, we're going to hear from them tonight as they share their testimonies on, on training, and then we'll celebrate with them. Uh, before they come, though, let me tell you how you can participate. You might hear about TES or even hear tonight, and you, you reap the benefits of it. You sit under Michael's teaching in in Sunday school class, or you, you're ministered to by Clay, or, or Matt, or, or, or one of the others. But how can you, as a church member, participate in the, the training of, of, of men here? Um, the first thing I would say to you is you can help define their character. Um, these men need to grow in humility, and service, and hospitality, and mercy, and more. And they don't learn that from a book. They learn that in the incubation uh, of, of a local church. They, they watch you. Um, they, they watch you be faithful uh, to church and, and deal with conflict and all of the other things that, that go along. So uh, I, I would say take them and pour into them. Um, some of the greatest lessons that I learned was not from my pastor. It's from other church members. Learn how to be faithful. Um, and so you can do that as well. You might not know Greek and Hebrew or anything else, but you've walked with the Lord, um, and they need you. Um, the other thing I would say is that you can support them by, by giving to, to scholarships and, 
training needs and books for the library. We have, a, we have a TFM fund, Training Faithful Men Fund. Training is expensive, and you definitely do not go into ministry for the money. Um, you can help these men with tuition. Uh, many of them have wives and families. Um, so if you ever feel um, uh, moved by the Lord to do that, you can just write on your, your, your giving TFM fund. Uh, some of them need wives, and a new suit might help them. I don't know. Um, you can also care for them practically. Um, they're on campus three days a week, so they're interacting with, uh, with the other pastors, and they eat lunch together. And so you can coordinate with the office and fill their bellies while we're filling their minds. Uh, um, there are people who actually bring in meals. And you can find out how many students that will be there, and you, any of you can, uh, you know, can do that. Same thing for their Wednesday internship, breakfast, and otherwise, so you can care for them practically. And then, of course, pray for them and pray for their, their family. Seminaries, I said, is an endurance test, and it's tough on purpose um, because ministry's tough. Um, it's not for the faint at heart. And God obviously supplies exactly what you need, uh, the ones that he calls to that, to that task, but, but I know they covered your, your prayers and as they face the, the many challenges. And so with that, we'll hear from them, and I think the first one up is Jesse. You probably see Jesse faithfully finding you a seat on Sunday morning, and that's been more and more difficult uh, lately. He does a great job, so why don't you come share with us, brother. Well, good evening. As Pastor Farrell mentioned, my name is Jesse Marilla, and it has taken me eight years to uh, get my MDiv through uh, the Expositor Seminary. Now, I know what you're probably thinking, man, eight years, that is a long time, and that's a very slow pace there. I tend to argue with you. I will probably say, I tend to think of it as, rather than being slow, just being thorough. <laughs> um, but tonight is, uh, is a great uh, honor and privilege to share with you my experience at TES. And I just want to answer uh, three basic questions to help you understand and inform you about my experience with TES. Uh, the first of which being, why on earth did I choose the Expositor Seminary? And to help you understand that, as I answer that question, I think it would be best appropriate to give you sort of a, a snapshot of my Christian life, how I came to be saved, how I grew up in this church, so my earliest memory of growing up in this church was probably four or five years old. I was kicking and screaming, not wanting to come here at all. And uh, against uh, my judgment, my parents, my family members said, nope, you are going. So uh, during uh, being forced to come here, my heart and attitude changed immensely. Uh, but despite that change, uh, it wasn't the transformative change of the gospel. Uh, despite growing up in this church, uh, my heart was still hardened by sin, and my, cloud, my mind was clouded uh, by sin as well. And it wasn't until I turned 17, 18, when I uh, came to fully understand in the ramifications of Christ's work on the cross, the gospel, and finally the gospel transformed my heart. I was finally done self-exaltating myself and rather focused on exalting uh, God and giving him the glory that he rightfully deserves. So by the time, uh, you know, I was 18, it was time to go to undergrad, and Liberty University was the obvious choice there. And at that same time, uh, Timberlake Baptist became a campus in the fall of 2009. And during that time, I was certainly intrigued by the idea of a seminary being closely intertwined with a local church body. Uh, as I progressed through Liberty University during my undergrad, you know, my heart for the word uh, increased, and there, thereafter, soon aspirations for uh, pastoral ministry uh, came to bear within my heart. Uh, but aspirations uh, alone are not enough for uh, pastoral ministry. So by the time it came to the end of my undergrad, 
uh, it came time to choose a seminary. And during my undergrad, I had two options. Uh, it was either Liberty University's School of Divinity or the Exposers Seminary. And the reason I limited down to those two choices was that Timberlake Baptist had been such a large factor in my life, a large part of my life, I wanted to continue attending Timberlake Baptist uh, while I was attending seminary. So how did I come to decide between those two? Um, one thing that stood out to me in this decision-making process uh, were three students that were currently attending the Expositor Seminary at the time. Those three men were Michael Lowry, Tim O'Shara, and Clay Mackey. Uh, these men possessed a fiery passion for God's word and its handling, its interpretation, and its preaching. And they also had a fervent love for the shepherding, the protection, and the growth of the local church. This was such a welcome change uh, to my peers at Liberty University uh, and seminary students at the time that I interacted with who seemed more interested in, their, uh, in how seminary training would affect their careers than how it would prepare them to serve the local church. This, coupled with a, a strong word of recommendation from Pastor Farrell on how the Expositor's Seminary would uh, provide a superior education and, and preparation to serve the local church, uh, the choice was abundantly clear. I finished my undergrad at Liberty, and I was admitted to TES in the fall of 2014. This leads to my second question. How was your experience at TES? What was it like? Uh, in order to share with you my experience, I'm going to share with you the four pillars of TES and how each of those pillars affected my time, impacted my time at TES. The first of these is scholarship. We are all taught expository preaching through the rigorous exegesis of the text of God's word in its original language. I do not think you will find another seminary in the United States that will put its students through three years of both Greek and Hebrew original languages. This dedication, uh, this emphasis on the original language sets us up to having a theological framework that is based on the text of God's word. And this dedication to the original languages allows us men to have confidence in handling the word of God well and avoid going beyond what the text says and to skillfully apply biblical truth in leading, serving, and protecting the church. I do believe that TES prepared me with a robust biblical education that will serve the local church well. But the quality is not the only thing that is worth mentioning. It is also the manner in which that education was taught. All of our professors are active pastors with their own respective congregations. It has been so helpful through the years to hear from them sharing not only just the class material, but the potential pitfalls and implications that the class subject matter has in our future personal ministry, just as it affected their own personal ministry. One thing I wasn't expecting was how, readily, sorry, was how readily available these men made themselves to us students, whether it was by phone, by email, to make sure that we didn't lack in any way in our understanding of the material taught in class. I'm very thankful for these men sharing their pastoral insights with their goal in mind to prepare us as best as possible to serve the local church well. Most of all, these men exemplified through their teaching a foundational love, a willful joy, and a personal care to their own congregations that spurred us to imitate them as they imitated Christ. The second pillar is mentorship. Students are intentionally mentored by the pastors from their own respective local churches. The church leadership here, the pastors here, meet regularly with students both corporately and individually to discuss areas of ministry, character qualities, and areas of theology that would benefit us students to serve the local church body well. The pastors regularly assess our progress, our giftings, 
and our future ministry pursuits. I'm thankful for these men and the investment they have poured into us students here. The third pillar is apprenticeship. Not only are we mentored by the pastors here, but we are challenged and encouraged to engage in local church ministry. During my eight years in TES, I served in children's ministry under both Adam Reed and Matt St. Clair, and I've also served in the ushering ministry and on occasion taught in Pastor Brody's Sunday school class. The pastors see and affirm the gifting of us students, but I also believe there's a large blessing and benefit for us students personally to be serving in the church body alongside the, the class material that is taught. It is not for notoriety or fame, it's quite the opposite. Serving the church body solidifies us in why we are pursuing TES in the first place, to serve the church body through pastoral ministry. TES takes away the vacuum of our studies and surrounds us with the context of the purpose of our studies, you, the church body. Finally, the fourth pillar is fellowship. The Expositor Seminary understands that its students are cared for and are committed to the local church body and fellowship. This pillar is the one I feel made the greatest impact on my seminary journey. It has been such a blessing to be a part of this church family. Specifically to you men of this church, I am grateful for your godly examples and faithfulness in your marriages, your families, and your service to this church. It is an honor and a privilege to serve alongside you. I've been so blessed by Youth Church family through your prayer support and spiritual encouragement. Just as Pastor Farrell mentioned, you have no idea how much us students appreciate when you come, to up, come up to us on a particular Sunday morning and tell us that you're praying for us specifically. Or in my case, if one of you asks how my family are doing, how my wife and son are doing. I say this because we, the students, greatly appreciate it when you, the church body, are committed to us as we are committed to our studies. Thank you so much for your personal investment into our lives. My time at TES has been nothing short of life-changing. I know that I'm still young and I have still plenty of life ahead of me, but I believe I can genuinely say that this, is, that this has been one of the greatest experiences I've ever had. Through the church leadership here at Timberlake, the Lord showed me the magnitude of my pride and helped me better understand with great conviction several areas where I needed much growth in order to walk in a, man in a manner worthy of the calling. The Expositor Seminary addressed any potential improper motivations to ministry, such as pride, power, and recognition and instead cultivated proper convictions and integrity to serve the church well. Sorry, guys. At the end of the day, when I think of TES, I think of Timberlake Baptist Church. TES is intertwined with this church body. TES is not an appendage or a side piece to the church. It is an integral ministry of Timberlake Baptist Church. And I can testify to that because just as TES encourages us students to focus in on the call of ministry, you, church body, are there along with us students every step of the way encouraging us, praying for us, and being a model of godly living for us to imitate. You understand the need to train faithful men for pastoral ministry, and the need for preaching of God's word well. You have taught me specifically the importance of the local church in the life of the believer. I have learned how to serve the church through your example. You have taught me how to disciple and be discipled. You have taught me how to persevere through trials as I have walked alongside you, watched you, and been encouraged by you in your response to trials. You have taught me how to love and bear one another's burdens, 
as you've worked to comfort and console one another through the truth of his word. It is through the work of the Lord through you, through your instruction, your example, and your fellowship that, as Pastor Farrell mentioned, has defined the character that I have developed today. And I am eternally grateful for that. We are men being trained with a mindset of 2 Corinthians 12.15. We are resources belonging to God, ready to spend and be spent for the growth and edification of the church body. So finally, the last question. What happens after graduation? Now that, now that graduation has happened, what comes afterwards? I came to TES with an aspiration towards pastoral ministry. During my training, the pastors here have examined me and helped me think through my spiritual gifts. And it was through their affirmation and guidance that the pastors and I agree that my spiritual gifts are more appropriate for supportive types of ministry, such as the role that I'm already currently serving in, rather than vocational pastoral ministry. So to answer the question, things will look largely the same after graduation as they did before. That being said, my family and I look forward to serving and being a part of this church body for the long term, participating and witnessing firsthand the church body growing in spiritual maturity. All in all, the TES graduates and current students now here, we look forward to spending and being spent for the sake of the local church, the gospel, and the honor and glory of our God. Praise be to God. Thank you, church family. Jesse, I could just say ditto and sit down, right? Is that how that works? Thank you for the opportunity to be able to speak with you tonight. I'm grateful for the time I've been able to spend in TES. And uh, me and Jesse have uh, had a friendship that's been forged through the fires of uh, Hebrew class together. And uh, we've survived and made it, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, Tonight, I guess the main theme I have on my heart and mind, I've got the task before me to take a short time and convey all that's in my heart that's been storing up for four and a half years toward you and uh, the thankfulness, gratitude, and the love that um, is in my heart for you, for how you've uh, imparted to me a gift of being able to train here, to be taught among you, to be taught by you. And uh, in so many ways, I'm just so thrilled uh, with my experience at TES. Um, so I just want to begin first uh, to mention my wife, my precious wife who the Lord's given me. Um, I got to Florida last week, and I did not realize this, but she was taking a, a higher degree program than I. She was taking the PhD, which they awarded her ceremoniously at the end of the service there, and apparently PhD stands for Pushing Hubby Through. So she earned her pushy hubby, Pushing Hubby Through uh, degree, and I got to say, without her faithful support, there's, and her encouragement and the confidence that she exhibited in me to hold fast through the challenge the last four and a half years have been, uh, I don't think our family would have weathered nearly so well uh, without her constant prayer and care for me and for our family. Anna was less than six months old when we started, and now she's five years old, almost. Uh, well, actually, she did just turn five, didn't she? And uh, so we're glad for that. She's been home educating. My wife has been doing our own home business and several other things to try to keep the home in order and cared for. And without her, I just don't think this would have been possible. So this achievement's not my own. It's uh, due in a large part to her constant love and, and support. Holly and I have been married for 18 years, coming up on this June. I've marked the date on the calendar, honey. I won't forget. It's June, chap- June 12. So uh, looking forward to 18 years. My children are 10 and 5, Christian and Anna, here with us tonight. And I'm so blessed of God to have these in my home and be entrusted with their, their care. Um, we came to the TBC in 2017, a little about five years ago. Um, and one of the large attractive reasons for coming was the presence of TES here on this campus. Um, why did I want to attend uh, is the question that I was asked to answer. 
And that is because, number one, I needed further ministerial training. I was already uh, pastoring at the time, before I, just before I came. And I had already attended a seminary, a, a traditional institutional seminary, and earned a postgraduate degree. But I was attracted to TES because I had become convinced that the work of training pastors belongs in the domain of the local church under other pastor, elder, teachers. And uh, I knew that there were previous, from my previous training, I had serious gaps in my own understanding of ecclesiology, of what a biblical ministry philosophy looked like, and how to be effective in personal discipleship and counseling and the process of expository preaching, all of that. I, I recognized there were some gaps in my training, and I, I needed further, further mentoring and training in those areas. So it was through that uh, that, the, that this MDiv really appear, appealed to me. I had become aware of the seminary probably in around 2012 when Holly and I were looking at moving to the area in Virginia. We'd found this seminary out of a local church. And uh, even earlier than that, 2006, I had been listening to the Shepherds Conference audio recordings, trying to become better equipped on my own as a young man, mid-20s, trying to figure out how to pastor well and do well, be faithful. And I'd heard men like um, George Zemeck and um, uh, Kerry Hardy, Matt Waymeyer, Jerry Ragg, all of these men had taught sessions in the Shepherds Conference. So I was familiar with their names when I saw them on the website. And because they were trusted men, men who I'd already been learning so much from, uh, that was, again, another additional attractive thing for me to come and learn under these trusted and faithful men. Uh, I uh, also loved that coming to TBC when I had had the opportunity to visit over the, last, over the years. Um, I had grown to love the opportunities I had to interact with the church body here as a visitor and uh, got to speak with the members, listen to the preaching and the worship and all of the things there. And... Um, just saw a healthy body, a healthy body life here, and uh, realized that I needed that, and my family needed that, and so in God's providence and in his timing, in 2017, we made our way here, and you uh, he welcomed us and have loved on us and uh, made, made room for us here among you. Um, how did the Lord use TES in my life? Well, I would say it's a, it's a real, it was a test of my faith. Um, we weren't sure how I was going to be able to work full-time and do a full-time work schedule, a class schedule. Not sure that was even possible. In fact, after my first semester completed here, I was uh, made aware that the private college that I was teaching at, uh, they were going to close the Lynchburg campus, and I was going to be needing a job. So thankfully, the Lord opened up a door where I was offered a job at Liberty University, and I knew that came along with the continuing education credits and the opportunities to get that but still, my heart was left longing for the pastoral training for TES, and I knew that I would have limited availability to take that. So in God's grace and his provision, he opened a door that was just amazing to me. Uh, Pastor Farrell called me and asked if I might be interested in working here on staff in an IT capacity in combination with the church and the school. And this afforded me the opportunity to work in close proximity to these men who I'd grown to love and had appreciated and uh, they, they gave me an opportunity to kind of soak up by osmosis everything I could about how to be a faithful pastor. So we, uh, we just saw that as an opening from the Lord and thankful for that. It gave me flexibility to take classes almost full time. So uh, that was an incredible blessing. There was the additional benefit to be able to work uh, with the staff and faculty at TCS who have been a joy and a delight to be with as well. But the main reason I think I was attracted to TCS was this, this, this dimension that is offered here that's unlike anywhere I had ever seen. And that's this, uh, this multidimensional ministry of where you get your academics, your strong academic training, coupled up with this close life-on-life -life mentoring where you, you get to, um, your elders are observing and watching your progress, shepherding you along the way. Um, you get to be um, challenged in areas of your character and the inner life of your, of your ministry in ways that are beyond the reach and scope of um, traditional seminary training. So what that ends up looking like is that while you're hard at work trying to develop your theology and your exegetical skills and your biblical languages and all of that, the finer points of what a pastor's life looks like in his home, in his ministry, all of that is being worked on and emphasized and treated from a mentor level with your, with your pastor elder who's taken responsibility for you. So that's really interesting and really amazing. I, I have to say that's probably the most particular way that I've benefited from TES and the training is that um, 
I had Pastor Jeff, or I should say Dr. Jeff Abbott. <laughs> I'm proud of him. I have to say that. Uh, Dr. Jeff Abbott, he took responsibility for me and regularly met with me throughout these last few years. And along the way, I'm, I'm just grateful for the ways that all of the elders have loved me and spoke truth to me in very deliberate and, expect, and expected ways, in ways that they perceived I needed it most. Uh, Jeff, I... I'm grateful for you and the ways that you've taught me through the years, how, what a consistent and faithful example of a man who has completely given himself to the church looks like. You, you have devoted yourself so wholly to the Lord, and um, you are an example of what it means to love the people of God. And uh, you seem to hold nothing back from whatever the Lord may ask you. You are a man who is, I got to say, patient beyond belief. Uh, uh, and you staggered me so many times, by the way. You always find a gracious approach to people in your answers and your responses. You've modeled for me how God uses shepherds who are gentle yet firm among the sheep. And even in our times together, you have been at times firm and direct, but always gentle. And I, I pray that God will make me a shepherd like you. I want God to make me shepherd people, especially in those ways. I saw this uh, video the other day uh, of this shepherd walking down the street in Europe. He's got all these sheep with him. And this one sheep keeps deviating off the path and eventually takes a jump. And alongside the road, there's this deep, narrow culvert. It just goes straight down, like three feet, hole dug next to the road for drainage. And this sheep takes a headlong dive, whoop, right into the, right into the culvert. Feet, you know, feet sticking out, kicking. And uh, the shepherd just walks over there calmly, grabs a hold of the leg, and Shimmies him out, pulls him out, lets the sheep go, and the sheep takes off running, bounds about 30 feet down the road, and whoop, whoop, right back in the same ditch. And the shepherd just kind of saunters over there, feet first, pop, pulls him out. And uh, it's just a hilarious little video to watch, but it's a, such an image for me of, like, how Jeff must minister every day. I mean, he just, <laughs> especially when he's got me to take care of, just plop another sheep out of the trench and send him running. And uh, you know you'll do it again eventually. But that loving, kind, patient, beyond belief approach that has been so instructive to me. I'm so grateful for you, brother. I've also had the privilege of working with Mark Hager, who is uh, back there. Thankful for him. Mark's helped me so much through encouraging words and always redirecting me with biblical hope. You get a little hopeless sometimes along the way, and it's wonderful to have a friend who's a biblical counselor who's ready to take you to book, chapter, and verse in the scriptures, and uh, get you thinking correctly again. Along the challenging road of keeping all of my family work and uh, schooling responsibilities balanced, I had many opportunities to be corrected by counsel from Mark, which I am thankful for, uh, a word in due season, a man who's uh, gifted at speaking hard truths to you, but you never doubt his motive for you is that you would serve God and you love him supremely. Um, he wants you to think, have a higher regard of God than you do of him, so he's willing to say the things that need to be said, and I'm thankful for a man like that in my life. Um, I'm thankful for the, not just these two men, but all the abundant richness, richness of the friendships I've been able to have with the TES staff, uh, both the pastoral staff and the support staff that I get to work with. Don Bowman, if he's, I didn't see him in here tonight, but I want to thank the Lord for Don Bowman, who endured two years of Greek with us. And uh, he was, I don't think he realized it, but he was incredibly encouraging and inspiring to me as a man who is so accomplished and yet always continuing to seek to strive to additionally acquire skills to help him exegete the text um, so that he could serve the body more faithfully. Um, a man who wasn't going to lay down and just spend the latter years of his life frittered away with retirement and pleasures. He just seemed to make good use of that time and just really encouraged me in that. Uh, Tim O'Shara, you, you have been an outstanding friend to me. So many ways, your sharp and incisive powers of observation have yielded for me a lot of times some surprising realizations about my attitudes and my life and ministry. Um, whenever you returned from Malawi, you picked up with an interest in where I was at and my training and continued to seek out how, I, how you could serve me in my studies. And Thank you for exemplifying to me what it means to, to, to shepherd men and to disciple men who, whom God places around you. Uh, you modeled so many helpful things, but I think your dedication to training men 
that God places in your path has been most outstanding in my mind. I beg that God would make me a shepherd like you. I realize now that I can't take too much more time, but I'm actually thankful for the countless ways that all of the men, Pastor Farrell, many critical times I sat in your office and crucial times you helped me frame up things I need to think better about and uh, have encouraged me along the way. Um, I think of, uh, well, I've got a list here, but I don't, Matt and Rich, Michael, um, all of you guys have had things along the way I could think specifically examples of. Please know that my, my, my heart's full of gratefulness for you, PB, Clay, you all as well. Um, and asked, I was asked, what, was there anything I experienced at TES that was different from what I expected? I'd have to say it was that. It was that I was not expecting, I expected to get exegetical skills like hermeneutics and linguistic training and pastoral leadership, expected all of that. But I was completely caught unaware of just how much I stand in debt to each of these men and every member of this church for how you've loved me, you've spiritually invested in me, you've watched over my progress in the gospel ministry, you've prayed over me, and you've sacrificed for me. You have loved me and washed me in the word of truth. You've made opportunities for me to speak and to lead and to shepherd, and you've encouraged me and counseled me. All of those things were not lost on me. You've dealt with me after the manner of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. You know the verses, verses 7 and 8, where Paul says, We prove to be gentle among you, as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. And having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but our own lives also, because you had become very dear to us. That's how you've dealt with me. You've given me your life. You've imparted this wonderful gift. You've cared for me. You've nurtured me. You've showed affection for me. You gave me not only the gospel and entrusted it with, to me, but you've also given me your own lives, letting me into your homes, into your private ministry life to let me see what it means to be a faithful man. I ask that God would make me a faithful shepherd after your likeness. Your investment has made an eternally significant difference in my life, and I could go on and on. I won't, but I could. And finally, I need to express my gratitude to the church family. I would have to say that you continue to be and have been the greatest contribution to my training at TES. I've been permitted to be a shepherd in training among you, and you have also loved me. You have allowed me to preach and teach you some pretty poor sermons. I'm sorry about that. But you have been gracious, and you've, been listen you've listened and offered helpful advice, even if it was just, man, that's a... That's a great biblical text. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if it was that. Um, you have given me encouragement and feedback and direction. And you've deepened my experience in the faith by allowing me to walk with you through joys and struggles and trials. And to help you or have you share with me the lessons that God's teaching you through those experiences. And in those ways, you are shaping a pastor. And I, I thank you so much for that. Your kindness and your generosity staggers me. I have been the recipient of several grants from the TFM Fund for my tuition to make up the differences that I needed to complete my obligations. You bore with me and my financial needs my family. Early on, someone provided a gift to help my family receive uh, dental care that we just could not uh, afford. And it was your generosity and your kindness and your care to look over those things and help me and my family. I'm just uh, amazed at how God uses his church to uh, be an unexpected means of his provision for our need. I've been invited to attend missions, uh, missions trips, and I got a broader exposure to the ministry through being able to go to conferences. You have loved my wife through the Seminary Wives Fellowship, and uh, you have ministered and in intentionally loved my children. So I stand in debt of love to you for all the ways in which this church has continued to shape me as a pastor. I pray that I will be a shepherd that reflects those things which you have faithfully modeled and you've taught me. So some of you may be wondering, what happens now? Now that you've completed this phase of your pastoral training. Well, the point of all this from the beginning has been to be sent out. Um, 
that continues to be my ultimate goal. And even now I say that with no little amount of difficulty in my heart because, number one, my heart longs for you to remain with you, this beloved church family. And number two, that I, as well as the elders, agree that I have more preparations to complete before I can undertake to go elsewhere. So I don't have any specifics of where, when, or what I'll be doing in the future. Yet I would enlist your prayers, please, for us as we seek the Lord's direction and clarity. I'm earnestly desirous to go and perhaps take part in a church plant or participate in a revitalization work in a church somewhere. And I do have a particular interest in the northeastern United States as a prospect of a possibility. All of those things I hold open-handedly and yieldedly to the Lord as he would direct. No doubt, as well as anybody can see, though, that the impact of TES is been great in this church and the local church training of faithful men is so critical and central to what we have become here that I would like to be able to replicate this in the ministries that I would go into eventually in the future. So I'm going to continue to prepare myself in the best ways I can to be able to impart to other faithful men the kind of training I received. I don't know if that will involve pursuing any more education formally or not in postgraduate work or whatever. Anyway, whatever the Lord would have for me is what I desire. But bottom line, I intend to continue to remain faithful here at my post, working in IT alongside these men and alongside you and, and serve you in ways that I can. Um, I, I would love to learn how to be a, a faithful elder and pastor and teacher. It's my hope to continue to find ways in which I can serve the body better and to grow into the role of elder, pastor, teacher, according to the Lord's timing. But would you please pray for us, pray for me, as we continue to prepare, looking, for the, looking to the Lord. And in the meantime, we continue to work alongside of you in service to the Lord and our King, Jesus Christ. Thank you very much. What a blessing, huh? What a privilege. You never know what the Lord will do with either one of those men or any others. So this is a time in our service. We, we have a gift for both of those from, us or from you as a church family. There's a set of biblical commentaries that are in a, on a table in there that I think are all wrapped up. They're just too heavy to, to be toting around. Um, so you'll be able to see them in there with, uh, with the cake. But now is time for our, our covenant uh, commitment service. So if I-